Hi, everybody, and welcome to John Hennigan's Old Time Radio Show. So glad you could join us. It's going to be really terrific. we got some really wacky, zany old records for you tonight. Boy, oh boy. It's, it's going to be a swell time. <laughs> Hey, this is John Hennigan, and you're listening to John's Old Time Radio Show. Uh, this show is going to be a tribute to our pal Don Kent, who passed away uh, a while back now. We had some shows in the can, so we had three more shows uh, air uh, that Don did, which were amazing. Uh, he was one of our favorite guests here on the show, and uh, this was something that was put together by um, mutual friend Pat Conte. Um, for Don, we did a memorial for Don when he passed away, and this was um, a collection of uh, uh, stuff that Pat put together. Um, it's interviews with Don from this show, actually, <coughs> and all the times he was on it. Pat picked out some um, selected uh, little interviews that I did with Don, and some field recordings that uh, Don did. They probably no one's heard, and. Um, also, some uh, recordings of Don and Pat playing together from long ago that are all fantastic. So, again, this is uh, a show that uh, Pat Conte put together as a tribute to our friend Don Kent. So, we're going to start. Um, it starts out with Don talking um, a little bit about <coughs> the blues, something he uh, was very passionate about, did tons and tons of research in his day, you know, 50s and 60s, 70s, 80s, traveled around the country looking for old blues musicians and old records, and uh, uh, then we're going to hear a guy that Don recorded named uh, Frank Knapper uh, doing John Henry, fantastic harmonica player from uh, Gilbert's Corner, Virginia, and, um, and then there's going to be uh, three different sections of uh, Don uh, he's talking about Lane Hardin, and he's talking about uh, the St. Louis Sound in Cairo, and uh, Clifford Gibson. Well, recently I was talking with uh, the writer John J. Sullivan. We were talking about early blues and how it developed, and of course, you don't have a real good idea how that happens. I think if you think about our, we can only go back like to the 1890s, you know, at the at the earliest to say well. That's when, you know, Frankie and Albert was composed or became popular, and that's when Stagger Lee became popular around the same time. And the, all those are done as blues. They're blues ballads is what some people call them, but they're very obviously, you know, have blues tonality. And uh, anybody listening to them would think of them as a blues rather than a ballad. And I think what happened is that with the female singers... Uh, doing steady for the first four, at least the first four years, first five years of recording, doing a lot of like 12 bar, you know, AAB blues. That sort of like kind of settled it, kind of, you know, formatted. Also, I think 
Maybe even some A&R guys thought, oh, now I know what a blues is, I'll ask them to do that. He wasn't well known in in St. Louis, but he apparently lived there for a while. Uh, Henry Townsend said he thought he had run into him once, but 
he does the Cairo theme, so he must have been there for a while. Now, this is an extreme rarity. Yeah, there's probably less than there's probably about five copies tops around. I don't know for sure, but it's I traded Robert Johnson for it uh, when I heard it, and I never regretted it. Lane Harden, uh, Hard Times Blues. Reminds me, this is a little preface here, of things in the 70s and um, Pat Conti and Bob Guida used to come over to my house and I'd do bits. Sometimes I'd give lecture, but mostly I'd do bits. Like This is in Brooklyn? This is in Brooklyn. And like one time I paid, I played all seven versions of Cairo, you know, by <laughs> Henry Spaulding, Hi Henry Bound, uh, Lane Harden, J.D. Short, uh, Charlie Jordan, um... Henry Townsend and Will Shade. Anyway, so I do things like that, or I pay a record and then I play something out of left field to compare with that record. Cairo, Cairo, my baby's home. Cairo, Cairo, my baby's home. Why not Cairo, baby, and it won't be long Women in Cairo, they will treat you kind of sweet Women in Cairo, they will treat you kind of sweet Get you ready and take you
All right. So in this next portion, of course, you know, Don's going to be uh, talking some excerpts from the, the radio shows that he did throughout the whole podcast. And then we're going to hear some uh, other people he recorded. And, you know, Pat Conte was on a lot of those recording sessions, too, as was Bob Guida and uh, Louis Crom. Um, and it, in this uh, next portion, we're going to hear Raymond and Bill Agner and also the, their granddaughter, who are from uh, Georgia. And apparently uh, Raymond was influenced. He had seen uh, Riley Puckett when he was young and possibly even played with him. And Don met them uh, while he was junking. And uh, they invited him over for dinner. And Don said it was the best chicken he ever had. And uh, I think Pat verified that as well. So so we're going to hear them. And uh, then we're also going to hear the Fodrell brothers and Lynn. And they were part of the Piedmont scene. And uh, so they're going to do, let's see, they're going to do Jesus Loves You, Amazing Grace, uh, Reno Factory, Are You Washed in the Blood of the Lamb, uh, Telephone, and then uh, Raymond Agnor is going to play uh, New River Train with Pat. I I guess I should tell you everybody is. So Jesus Loves You is uh, Raymond and Belle Agnor with the granddaughter, and then they do Amazing Grace. And the Fodrell brothers and Lynn do Reno Factory. Are You Washed in the Blood is uh, Raymond and Bell. <coughs> Telephone, the Fodrell brothers and Lynn. And New River Train is Raymond Agnor with Pat Conte on mandolin. It's fantastic stuff. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, he's as precious as his eye. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Seems like this, Don. Book over Maybe. like that, and I have to have close to my eyes. Oh, See? Oh. Yeah. Virginia. It was after the 4th of July, uh, 1976. 
I went into this uh, store which usually had records and they had a table like this, maybe even bigger, just like foot high piles of records. More than I've ever more than I've ever seen in this place before. And uh, it was a lot of pop and a lot of, uh, you know, country, mostly country records. And uh, I started going through them and I was, I was in a frenzy, you know, like so many records that, to go through. And there were a lot of Orioles. In fact, half of the, uh, or a, a large portion of the records had an Oriole right on top, a red label Oriole, huh. very early. So I was going through them, and I got so excited, I forgot where did I leave off, which ones didn't I look through. So I picked up a stack and looked under it, and there was a record under there that, uh, you know, I didn't even recognize. And then I flipped the stack over. <laughs> it was Rattlesnake by Charlie Patton. Wow. And I almost dropped the stack, but, you know, because that was the last <laughs> thing. It was mostly country, Columbia's. There were some jazz records, you know, like a Clarence... Clarence William on 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 Oriole, uh, but there was mostly just country records, of which I bought let's see, thirty records out of like maybe three hundred. You put that rattlesnake right in the middle when you brought it up to the register. Oh yeah, and I they were fifty cents a piece. Nice. And when I got to the thing, I said, um, "I'm buying a lot of records. Why don't you give me a break?" She said, "All right, three for a dollar." <laughs> <laughs> That last 
she waited, I had you back at me, had it made me want to go, had it made me want to go, I never loved but one more girl, sorry I ever loved her, and I'm sorry I and when all you would hear were female blues singers. Let me tell you something. Elvie Thomas started learning how to play guitar at 11 years old in like 1901 or something. And she said there were blues then. They weren't popular as other things. God knows what they were playing for the 25 years before Blind Lemon came on the scene. Right. And Blind Lemon came as a fully developed guitar player and singer. He didn't just come exactly. overnight out of nothing. Uh, right. 
And exactly. neither did these other guys, even the lame guitar player. He no. changed it. it. Male singers became more popular than female singers. I've, I've heard people say that there were probably blues as far back as 1870. The point is you, you, you talk to, to musicians who were born around the turn of the century or earlier, and they say, you know, well, the, I remember hearing, you know, Don't You Leave Me Here, Alabama Bound, right. you know, when I was like six, seven years old at, between 1900 and 1910. Well, that so that means there was right something. There. They, they right. all remember that song because it was probably very popular. Right. It might have been called Elder Green because the early... Elder Green is yeah, Elder there. Green is, you know... Uh, Papa Charlie Jackson mentions Elder Green in one of his... In, in his version of Alabama Bound. Right. And, of course and Charlie Patton, Patton's, uh, he mentions Elder Green. Oh, it's Elder Green Blues, of Yeah, course. Elder Green, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was obviously... The earliest version was Elder Green. Charlie Patton was... Playing blues in 1910. Um, he was playing pony blues in 1910. He learned from another musician called Earl Harris between 1907 and 1910. And by 1910, he was Northern Mississippi. He was the star. Right. He was the, he was the guy, but he wasn't the only one. And uh, even though latecomers like. Uh, Sun House, who didn't start to play guitar until 1926 or so, when he heard this unrecorded guy play My Black Mama. And he just loved the bottleneck so much that, you know, he decided not to become a preacher, to become a musician. The thing is, by the Depression, it was sort of like lost. You know, after 1933, 34... The original stuff was pretty much gone, dissipated. Uh, you had people like Robert Johnson who created a great synthesis of all these various styles. And you still had people like Big Joe, Tommy McLennan, Robert Petway, all great guys, George Torrey, Bucka White, still great, playing great. in an older style. But the old style was gone because by that time, the black population was more urban. Right. The money was in the juke was in the juke joints in the north, in the taverns, in the you know cabarets that they had there. Yeah, they wanted a more modern sound. You know, everything changed. Yeah! 
Raymond Agner and on guitar and vocals and Pat Conte on mandolin, fantastic. So in this next portion, we have uh, another uh, Frank Knapper tune, Highway Blues. Uh, some Don Kent excerpts, Frank Knapper doing the Fox Chase. And then Raymond and Bell Agner doing I Will Not Be Denied. And then Raymond and Bell with Pat on mandolin doing uh, I Feel Like Traveling On. And I should say that uh, the Agners were um, from uh, Univista, I think it's pronounced, called uh, near Lexington, Kentucky. And uh, I think I might have said they were from Georgia, but they're from Lexington, Kentucky. And they had heard, or Raymond had heard Riley Puckett in Georgia. Was, uh, was the story uh, that Don said. And um, then after that, we're going to hear um, a song called uh, Rector Town Blues, Don Kent and Pat Conte on guitars. And uh, the story behind that <laughs> that Pat told me was that Don was taken for a drive somewhere and said, hey, you, you know, you got to check this out and took him on a long, long drive down a, a road for over an hour just to show him the sign of this town that said welcome to rector town and he said it was like population 14 or something something ridiculous and he laughed thought that was hilarious and uh turned around so uh that will um and then we will conclude uh this next section with the precious redeemer uh, which is also raymond and bell agner why don't you try blues
Hmm? Did that have any name? Yeah, the Highway Blues. Highway Blues. I never heard that. That must have been just from around here. Yeah, for real. When the shift started to become more urban, the form was kind of fixed. You still got, you know, some some freely adapted things, and of course you got great twelve-bar blues. But I think before that, it was more of a mishmash. There were just songs. No one, no one, especially musicians, were terribly concerned that oh, this is an eight-bar song, this is a sixteen-bar song, this is a twelve-bar song. I'll sing it this way. Maybe some other day I'll sing it something else. Right. But I think with the recording industry, sort of like tweaked the music, as Richard would say. They tweaked the music so that it became more formulated. It took them a long time to know the first thing about the product anyway. 1950 God was not my year 1950 God was not my year And trouble boys, her and God was not my year 1950 God was not my year I hope blues and trouble boys her and disappear
I haven't played guitar since since the fire, but I I'm gonna go back and try and do something. Yeah, now's the time, man. Yeah, but I really understand about how you got these old guys that hadn't played in thirty years, and you're asking them to play songs, and it just you know I understand how how tough it was. Yeah, yeah. I really do because. Uh, I wasn't a bad guitar player. I wasn't a good guitar player when I, and I basically quit playing about thirty years ago, because I said I wasn't going to get any better. I think it and comes back though, you know. Well, um, you know, I, I I played. I sort of kept every now and then I played, but since since I you know my hands got burned in the fire, uh, I haven't played very much. And when I started to play, it was like, oh, just incredibly tough. Yeah, at some back. point. Well, I haven't got anywhere near that point. I've tried a couple times, and I've just been very discouraging. But I think I'll, you know, I'll get back into it. Uh, you know, I'll try some things that I remember were pretty simple. I had this uh, pseudo Frank Stokes things in D, which I used to play just to keep my chops up, sort of. And, you know, it's like it was real easy to play because, you know, it's in D. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, I'll, I'll try. I'll keep trying.
Precious Redeemer. And again, these are all from uh, Don's, uh, you know, field recordings. Don had tons and tons of uh, recordings, many of which he lost over the years in various uh, heartbreaking circumstances, but these were some that survived. Don told me once that he he found a, a, a black uh, country blues guitar player 
somewhere in Mississippi, they said was one of the greatest guitar players they ever heard, and he said that he uh, lived in a hole in the ground. And I said, you know, of course, what are you talking about, Don? And he said, well, he had dug out a hole in the ground and put some tarps in there, and that's where he lived. And he said it was a real, you know, poor, basic guy, but, you know, Don recorded him, and uh, he said he was phenomenal, and uh, those tapes were lost. I should mention that um, uh, after Don uh, was talking about... Uh, uh, right after we heard Frank Knapper do Highway Blues, Don Kent was talking, and then we heard the Huff Brothers, a little excerpt of uh, recording by uh, the Huff Brothers, and I don't know anything about them, but that was nice. And uh, the last thing we're going to hear is uh, about a 20-minute piece where Don recorded um, Frank Knapper's older brother, Ed Bearman Knapper, and... Um, it's really great. You kind of got to, you know, work through it because it, it has a lot of, you know, they play music, talk and play music. And Pat told me that, you know, a Pat's there and he plays with him. Pat said he was trying to get him going because he was an older guy. And, you know, it took a little while to get him going. He said he, you know, he was playing some fiddle and some banjo. And uh, Pat said when he finally got him going, you know, the guy was really great. And um, uh, so you catch little bits of that here and there and uh also hear them talking and uh you know pat told me that these guys were also you know living in really really deep total poverty and something that pat had never seen before and he said it really had a you know profound effect on him uh but these guys were really top musicians and uh you you kind of get a hint uh, a glimpse into how uh ed bearman napper probably sounded you know playing old loose rugged fiddle and banjo it's really great stuff so that's our uh tribute to don kent and again i want to thank pat for you know putting this together uh it's really great to have these uh recordings uh all together i really really love the raymond and bell agner and stuff that they play with pat is amazing everything on here is really great the fodrell brothers fantastic um and again, that was uh, put together by Pat, some stuff of Don's that he had saved. And, uh, you know, that's it to our buddy Don, wherever you are, hanging out with Patton and Willie Brown, I suppose. Rest in peace, brother. See you on the other side. Red River Valley, did you, did you play Red River Valley? I think I could do, I don't know, I can't do Red River Valley. You can play it again? Yeah, yeah, play it again. I wonder what's one of our favorites. Well, I got that one. You can do that. You play that too? Huh? You play that too? Just a bit. Hmm? Just a little bit. Uh huh. Well, there's one song he plays that we can play with the fiddle. You want to do it in your eyes? Is your eyes? You could just be fiddle with the banjo. Jefferson. 
Boogie? You don't play Boogie? Any kind of Boogie?